Welcome to People Don't Think, Let's Start Today, a podcast hosted by Norb Savanasini, founder of AmericanEagle.com, and Al Edwards. Norb, we're in front of the hot mics again. Yeah, yeah, and it's a beautiful day today. I mean, if you like gloomy, <laughs> snowy days, but it's still a present, you know, and we have to be thankful for that. It's a gift that we get daily. No matter what the and, weather is. And, and today we have a special show because, you know, last week Al presented a, a book that I had written and he asked me a lot of questions about it, uh, which I didn't know were coming. But uh, Al wrote a book, actually, and uh, it's, a, it's a very, very interesting book because it's about, you know, we have a show on positive mental attitude and the book that he has is titled Four Failures Who Changed the World. Basically, it's a very uplifting book because these are four people that all of you have heard about, and it just shows how, you know, tenacity, not giving up, and being positive can actually change the world by what these people did. So, Al, I'm going to ask you a question. Whether we start with, uh, I know that your favorite guy is, is Henry Ford. We've talked about Henry Ford before. You know, this is one really exceptional man who, who really changed more things in the world than what most people realize. But uh, why don't you start talking about Henry Ford? Sure. Well, uh, thank you, Norb. And uh, I want to say also that uh, when I wrote this book a number of years ago, I dedicated it to three people. One was my dear mom, who's 93 now and going strong. The other one was my son. And just as importantly, I dedicated the book to you, Norb, because... Yeah, and um, I thank you for that very much. You're very welcome, because uh, we talk about this all the time. When I was 16, you gave me a vinyl copy of The Strangest Secret, which I still have not returned. I still have to do that. Right, but, uh, right. <laughs> but I de dedicated the book to those three people who had a great influence on me. Norb and I have talked about that Henry Ford probably, um, and we're going to talk about Thomas Edison in a moment, but Henry Ford was probably certainly one of, but probably the most influential person of the 20th century. He literally did change the world, not just with the automobile, but uh, he invented the, uh, the weekend, the eight-hour workday. He invented the middle class. He really did change the world as we know it. Uh, the reason I talked about Henry Ford is that he started out very modestly. He grew up on a farm. His father was a modest farmer. He didn't really have a lot of direction Early in his life, he would go back and forth to school. and um, His mother did most of the teaching to him. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And he lost his mother very early when she was about 13. But he became very interested in machines and machinery. He went to work for uh, Thomas Edison's company early on in his career. And he really got the bug for, for machinery and engineering and all that kind of stuff. And we'll fast forward. In 1896, in his garage, he built his very first car called the Quadricycle, which you've seen, of course, at the Henry Ford Museum. Sure. It was a buggy with four bicycle tires on it. Uh, it had no reverse, it had no brakes, and it actually broke down on its inaugural trip around the block in 1896. And he built it in his garage and forgot that it wound up being bigger than the door. So he had actually break down a brick wall to get the darn thing out of the garage. Uh, had a very understanding wife, by the way. Yes, he had a very understanding <laughs> wife and a few friends that were bricklayers too, hopefully. 
But uh, the man who changed the world started in his garage with this little silly little car with bicycle tires. But the thing that most people don't know is that Henry Ford was actually involved in at least two car companies that actually failed before the oh, Ford yeah. Motor Company. Yeah, he was in his 40s when, when he really became successful. I exactly. And when the Ford Motor Company was formed in 1903, they had moderate success. They had, uh, you know, different models. Henry Ford was always arguing with his investors that I want to build a car for the everyday person, for the masses. And they kept wanting to build cars that were more expensive because at that time, cars were toys of the rich. And he said, no, 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 we really need to hit the normal person, everyday person. So they had some success, but it wasn't until 1909 when finally the car that changed the world, the Model T, came out that Ford really skyrocketed to fame. Yeah, and the one thing, you know, the, uh, and we've talked about this before, but it's just worth repeating because there was no middle class in the whole world until Henry Ford introduced this revolutionary idea of paying his people enough so they could buy what they made. Uh, he actually instituted the 40-hour week. You know, one of those people that said, I think people should go home after eight hours of work. I expect them to do work uh, diligently. And he also uh, developed the, the production line which uh, actually he visited some meatpacking plants in, in Chicago, uh, Armour or, or uh, one mm -hmm. of the big ones, and uh, saw how they were actually cutting up the beef. The gentleman who actually did the cutting stood in a line and he cut the specific parts of the beef and then it went to the next person. So instead of building a car from scratch, where the one or two people would assemble the whole car, he had a, a line that would move across, and the person that had to put, for example, the wheel would only put one wheel, one wheel, then went to the next stage, the other guy would put another wheel, and so on and so on. And that's, at this time, this was revolutionary. And, and the parts also were common parts, where before that, cars were all made specific for one car, so they didn't have any repetitive parts. Mm -hmm. So uh, really a incredible, incredible advance in civilization. Yeah, there's no question. I think people take that for granted today. You know, you go into the auto parts store and you say, oh, I have a 2019 Toyota Camry. I need a headlight. Well, they've never seen your car, but they have a headlight that will fix it exactly your 2019 Camry. You're right, parts were made custom for each particular car and would not fit on each other. So Henry Ford, when they first started, it would take 12 hours to build a car. By the uh, time the assembly line was going, from the time the process started to when they rolled the Model T, drove it out of the factory, it was 93 minutes to make a car. And here's the part that always absolutely blows my mind. They made 15 million Model T's. Try and get your mind around that. 15 million Model T's. Yeah, and that was something that stood uh, for a long, long time until Volkswagen, actually, the Beetle, With the exceeded Beetle, yeah. that. But to be fair about it, the Beetle had a lot of internal differences and taillights, and, and uh, whereas the Model T was always the Model T. Yeah, no question. So I think the great lesson with, with Henry Ford is... Uh, 
you know, like I said, not a great education. He had an adversity. His his mother passed away when he was young. He actually tried a couple of automobile companies and failed. And wasn't until he was around his 40s where he actually started doing something big. So, and th- and that's the thing. I one of the reasons I wrote this book is I was really an Earl Nightingale. Actually, did this as a kid too. He really wanted to try and figure out why is one person wealthy and one person is poor. And it's not necessarily with money, wealth versus poor. It could be anything, spirit, accomplishments, job, money, whatever whatever's important to you. But he really tried to study why is one person have things or do whatever and why one person doesn't. And it all boiled down to the way they think. And that's what Earl Nightingale eventually came out with The Strangest Secret. But I think that's one of the reasons I wrote this book is because I really wanted to help people understand, including me, by the way, and I wrote the book for myself too, Henry Ford was no different than any other human being. He was just a guy who stuck to things and came up with an idea and ran with it. Yeah, the other thing, though, that is important about Henry Ford, which, uh, I mean, if you read about him, it's a, he's a very, very interesting guy. Uh, some of the things he did are, are uh, you know, things that are debated today. But uh, he actually believed in the reincarnation, which is not something that I personally endorse or not endorse, I don't know. But uh, he thought that, he had mechanical knowledge from another life. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, interestingly enough, the one thing he did is he did what he loved to do. And, you know, if there's anything anybody can get from this show is that that is success in life, to do what you like to do. And uh, Ford, this is the only thing he knew or he loved it. So he stuck with it. So... I think it's it's a very, very interesting person. Uh, I think we mentioned before there's a museum in Dearborn, Michigan that I think every American young person should go visit. And uh, it's, a, the, it's called the, the Henry today. And there's also a, a village next to it which shows, you know, the actual lab of Thomas Edison and the Wright brothers. And it's just a phenomenal place to visit. With that, I think we can go to the next guy, who actually Al wrote about, which is was his friend, and another guy who really had a great impact in the world, and that's Thomas Edison. Yeah, Thomas Edison. I think we would all, I don't think, I know, we'd all be sitting in the dark right now, including in this podcast studio, if it wasn't for Thomas Edison. Or even the microphone. Even know. the microphone. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly <laughs> right. I've got a little list of just some of the things he invented. But I mean, I think it's hard for anyone who was born after this time to really understand there, at one time, there were not light bulbs in the world. I mean, it's like- Candle making was the biggest business in the United States. That's right. When Edison invented the electric light bulb and the candle makers of the United States went to the government to make the light bulb illegal because it would make these, Put them out their of business. jobs basically obsolete. Yeah. So that's, yeah. A, that's a fact. If you're a candle maker, Thomas Edison is definitely a threat to your security. <laughs> exactly. There's no question. But uh, if he had just only invented the light bulb, he would have been done for life. But he invented the phonograph, which obviously all of our iPads and all these players today came from. The motion picture camera. I mean, just on and on and on. It just the man was uniquely American and incredible. Thomas Edison um, at school had a lot of trouble. Today, they would have labeled him as um, somehow uh, 
mentally disabled. They would have put him in probably special education or told his mother, they did tell his mother that he had some sort of learning disability and problems because he would never achieve to be anything. He would never achieve they anything. They actually wrote that to his mother. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's a story about that, Norm, that I want you to tell. But uh, they called it back then calling being uh, addled. That was the name they had back then. And I'm sure he would have been on all kinds of medication today and all kinds of special schools and all that stuff. But one of the things that teachers always said to his mother was he keeps asking why all the time. <laughs> why? And, you know, a lot of toddlers do that, which I always think is amazing because this world is new. They don't know anything. But Thomas Edison wanted to know why about everything. Uh, but tell that story about the letter uh, that he wrote to his mother was. Uh, I think given. it's worth repeating. I think in one of our podcasts we, we did mention this, but uh, and, and you'll find that we repeat a lot of stuff here because it's good, and, and I like to hear it again. Yeah, his mother was given a, a, a letter from his teacher basically saying that, uh, you know, uh, little Tom couldn't really learn much and, and he wasn't going to amount to much in life. Thomas Edison at that time could not read. And uh, his, he asked his mother, what did the note say? And the mother says, told him that, you know, the teacher thinks that you're a wonderful little boy and that you're very smart and someday you're going to be somebody. And uh, Thomas Edison believed that all his life until his mother passed away and he found the letter. And obviously, uh, it's one of the things about not only being positive, but sharing that positive message to someone that needs it. I don't know if that made him what he was, but I'm sure as heck believe it didn't hurt him any. Absolutely. And it was just one of those things that it's this motherly love that can't be replaced. And, uh, you know, it's beautiful. You know, we talk, it really is beautiful. And, and it's a greatest expression of love. You know, we talk about self-talk. You know, what you say about yourself to yourself is going to play a big part in what you become and who you are and how you feel about yourself and the world. And it certainly contributed to his self-talk, didn't it? You know, about him believing that he could accomplish something. Absolutely. Um, with the light bulb, there's a famous story that he, and I don't know the number, I've heard 1,000, 700, 800, doesn't matter, but Thomas Edison tried literally hundreds and hundreds of times. 3,000. Was it 3,000? Okay. That's what they say. That's yeah. what they say. 3,000 times to get the incandescent light bulb to actually not only light, but the filament inside of it to not blow up in a short time. Right. Finally, he got it to work. And he said, I didn't fail 3,000 times to find a light bulb. I just found 2,999 <laughs> ways that didn't work. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So you want to talk about perseverance and a positive mental attitude right there. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, he said that uh, discovering something is 1% perspiration. I mean, no, 1%. Uh, inspiration. Yeah, inspiration. And 99%. Perspiration. Perspiration. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And thank you, Al. That's okay. <laughs> um, one story that I have in the book about Edison, this was long, long in his career. He died in 1931. Uh, 1914, one of his laboratories caught on fire, again, late in his career. And the fire trucks were there, and this thing was just a blaze. It was just unbelievable. And he was standing out there with his family and seeing all the firemen and everything trying to put it up. And they said to him, you must be terribly upset, Mr. Edison. He said, no, actually, I'm really happy because all my mistakes have now been burned up. That's what he said about his lab. So 
That's a great positive attitude. A- absolutely. You know, absolutely. You know, but it, the last thing about Edison is that, again, uh, doesn't this is hard, but it doesn't matter what other people think about you. It matters what you think about yourself and what you think about what your abilities are. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of politicians uh, that have lived in the world, and, and, you know, most of them, I think, could be put in a big heap, uh, which I will not comment on. But there, <laughs> there are some exceptional guys. And, you know, one guy that really was exceptional, whether you like him or whether you don't like him, but his perseverance, his failures, and his ability to overcome them uh, is Abe Lincoln. This is one of the people that Al talks about. And why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, since we're in the land of Lincoln here in Illinois, I think this is an appropriate topic for our show today. You know, I, I just cannot believe the amount of failure and adversity that Lincoln had and why the man just didn't go to bed for the next 50 years and not do anything. Grew up very, very poor. His mother died when he was very young. No formal education. Grew up, went to a little town, which is outside of Springfield, Illinois, that they recreated during the Depression called New Salem. Failed in business there. Got engaged to a young lady named Ann Rutledge. She died. He went into a depression about that. Failed in business. Moved to Springfield, Illinois, as uh, everyone knows. Ran for Congress. Failed at that ran for the U.S. Senate twice, was defeated, ran for vice president in 1858, two years before he was elected president, lost the vice president bid. And then, of course, he gets elected president and becomes the great, uh, the great person that held our union together after the civil, or during the Civil War and afterwards. I just cannot think of a better example of someone who just either was too dumb to stop and quit or just had this faith that he was going to eventually going to make it. Yeah, and I think this is a, a common thread among all these people that uh, it's one of the things about being positive is that, you know, you will encounter consistent areas of your life where something just doesn't go right. The difference between success and failure is basically just keep plugging along until, you know, you make your dream come true. Yeah, and I think that's so hard. I think... Um, People just think that if they don't make it in three months, no matter what it happens to be, that they're a failure. Yeah, uh, exactly. And uh, the people who have really persevered and hung in there, I think, are the people that are going to make it. Um, before we go into our last person, there's some quotes here that I want to share that I have in the book of people who you might have heard of who had a little bit of adversity, uh, what they went through. I want to read a couple of quotes here. It says, uh, this particular guy, was cut by my high school basketball team, and when, he, when that happened, he went home and cried. He would go on to miss 9,000 shots in his NBA career on 26 occasions when he was being counted on to make the game-winning shot he missed. And, of course, that's Michael Jordan. Think about that. Oh, he yeah, was cut yeah. from his high school basketball team. Here's another guy, a total failure. I was told by a newspaper editor that I had no creative ideas and my first animation company went bankrupt, Walt Disney. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was rejected by the University of Southern California Film School twice, Steven Spielberg. Uh, this is a good one. After World War II, I was rejected for a job as an engineer by Toyota. And this man's name, last name was Honda. These are really true. Uh, <laughs> 
I've struck out over 1,300 times at my at bat during my career, Babe Ruth. So these just, and then last one, I think, uh, we were plagued with problems and failure for years until one day we actually flew in the air. And that was the Wright brothers. Yeah, and, and, and again, it's, it's such a constant formula that I wish more people would just accept it as a fact. I mean, you know, you only see the people that are successful. And, and it's kind of a shame in a way because getting there is really the, the beauty of it. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure that Thomas Edison or Henry Ford, after they made their fortune and they had all this money and all this notoriety, they really, the part they enjoyed the most was really getting to that light bulb. You know, I got to tell you a story which really affected me about Thomas Edison, which to this day I, I, I just love. But uh, whenever I fly in a commercial plane, I used to fly with an engineer who was a, a phenomenal, phenomenal guy. And uh, one day we're flying over some big city, could have been Chicago, could have been New York or any, any big city. And, you know, we're coming down towards the airport and, and of course there was a sea of lights. And, and he looked out the window and he says, thank you, Thomas Edison. And uh, to this day, uh, when I fly in a plane and I see that, I, I thank Thomas Edison because, wow. you know, that didn't exist before him, which is hard to believe. That is powerful. And again, I, I just keep trying to put this into my own little brain and, and try and help other people understand it. These were just human beings, just oh, like yeah. us. I mean, Thomas Edison was a man. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Just a regular guy. You know, he didn't have, you know, wealthy parents or, or uh, uh, you know, or people that <clears throat> helped him get along. I mean, when he, the first thing that he sold was actually the, the ticker tape. Yeah, the voting. Uh, yeah, uh, no, yeah. not for the voting. For oh, the, the ticker stock. tape. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. stock ticker. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, you know that was a revolution. And he sold it. I think they gave him twenty five thousand, and they said we we're going to give you a lot more. And and he says I would have taken a lot less. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so you know after that, of course, he had enough money to. Right. Uh, and you know it's it's uh, we can talk about a lot of people, but you know the last guy is very interesting that Al talked about, and this is. Kind of a, a different type of guy, but it just shows you what persistence can get you in life because this is a guy <laughs> that, that really, really took a lot of hits. And, and the way he became successful also <laughs> was unbelievably interesting. <laughs> and, well, and, and that's uh, the chicken man, you know, Colonel Sanders. Colonel Sanders. Uh, finger licking good. <laughs> <laughs> People have asked me over the years, why did you put Henry Ford, Thomas Edison, <clears throat> Abraham Lincoln, and then Colonel Sanders? Why would you put <laughs> Colonel Sanders in a book with these iconic people? And uh, someone said, well, you must like fried chicken. And that is true. I definitely love yeah, fried chicken. Uh, uh, I used to love it a lot more than today. But uh, Colonel Sanders was a fascinating guy. The reason I put him in the book was because uh, we, we'll go into his history in a second, but he was 65 years old when Kentucky Fried Chicken finally took off. I put him in the book because uh, the lesson there, I think, is uh, it's never too late. When I'm in traffic and I see a hearse going down the road with the little box in the back, and I think to myself, you know what? It's too late for that guy, unfortunately. But until then, it's never too late. 
And if you can become a billionaire selling chicken at the age <laughs> of 65. But let me tell you real quick about uh, Colonel Sanders. So, again, grew up very poor. His father died, uh, very poor circumstances. He actually was a very cantankerous and argumentative fellow. <laughs> um, he had a job on the railroad as an ash can cleaner. Say that five times fast. That's a dangerous thing to say. But uh, he got fired from that. He was a lawyer. He got in a fight with his own uh, client in a courtroom. I mean, this guy was an just a walking argument. And he opened eventually a bunch of restaurants. And every time he got successful in a restaurant, the government would make a bypass around the highway <laughs> yeah. in the name of progress, and he would go bankrupt again. <laughs> I mean, this guy couldn't win for losing, as they say. And uh, unbelievable. He always had, though, this little recipe of the uh, famous 11 herbs and spices. And at that time, uh, his fried chicken was an elaborate procedure because he was pressure cookers and all the breading and all this stuff and everything. So when he finally was retiring, he was getting $105 a month in Social Security, which even at that time was like nothing. The guy was broke. So he got in his car, went around the country and tried to sell his fried chicken to all these individual restaurants, like Norb's restaurant, Al's restaurant, not like chains like, you know, that it is today. And every time, and he had his white suit on, and every time he had to go in and bread the chicken and cook it and all this stuff. And, and all he wanted was a few cents for every piece as a royalty. And every guy threw him out of his restaurant and said, yo, you're crazy. This is, you know, terrible and whatever. And finally, uh, into his 60s, uh, he met a gentleman who said, you know what, this is really a great thing. And a number of years later, Kentucky Fried Chicken was born. And that's the story of Colonel Sanders. Yeah, and you know what's interesting is that uh, uh, my youth was in, in uh, a small town in Indiana, which was 50 miles south of, of Indianapolis, Bloomington, Indiana. And my father and, and mother were uh, people that really enjoyed food. And we heard about this restaurant in, in Indianapolis that had this, this chicken <laughs> that was really great. And uh, we would actually drive 50 miles to Indianapolis to eat Kentucky Fried Chicken. Wow. And it was in a restaurant that was owned by two ladies, uh, uh, mother and daughter. I don't remember like if it was today. And actually, they had special Kentucky Fried Chicken as part of their menu. You know, it wasn't a Kentucky Fried Chicken restaurant. And we'd go there and eat this chicken that was <laughs> tremendous. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it worked. And from there, he became, which, which really is the one thing that, you know, if, if people get anything out of this program, and I hope somebody does, you know, just don't give up on your dreams. And, you know, the pessimism today, one of the things I wanted to talk about, and, and uh, we don't have too much time, but, you know, today the pessimism is just unbelievable. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have Spotify or they have Pandora and they, they program. And, you know, one of the things that I've done lately, and, and you know, I, I'm affected by all this negativism just like anybody else is. Sure. And, and you have to actually... Think of yourself as, as in the Western where you're going to, you know, meet your enemies and, and you got to shoot them down or they'll shoot you. And today uh, you got to be able to, to fight this. And I programmed with happy songs in my car and uh, I had songs by Doris Day and 
you know, uh, Barbara Streisand, and they were all uplifting songs, and, and Frank Sinatra, and uh, Gene Kelly singing, you know, Dancing in the Rain, and, and it just, or Singing in the Rain. Uh, unbelievable uh, how that can affect you, because I have a, a short drive here, and, and in the, that short drive, if you can listen to two, three songs, you're happy when you get out of the car. So learn how to program yourself to be positive because I've gotten to the point where, I, and I hate to say this because I think that I, I like to know what's going on. I don't, I don't care if I see news anymore because all there is is just negativity, negativity, and, and you know, the incidence of, of drug use is getting high in this country, much higher than what it used to be, and, and uh, all kinds of depression, anxiety problems, and you know, I hate to be crude, but that's BS. I mean, it's just, don't think about it. Just remember these four failures. These four guys combined between, you know, Edison, Ford, Lincoln, and, and, and the Colonel. <laughs> I mean, they had so many failures that it's just beyond belief. But, you know, they never gave up. So I don't care how bad your life is. It isn't that bad. So be happy about it. And, and just remember this, that part of life is having down moments where you feel down. That's part of it. Accept it. You're normal. You know what? That's normal. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. You cannot be positive all the time. But you can overcome it all the time. That's the beauty. And it's in your brain. So uh, that's all I have to say. That's beautiful. Uh, real quick, we were talking on a previous podcast about if you get a flat tire, yeah, you're on the side of the road and you got a flat and you got to roll up your sleeves and get the jack out and everything. But that's the negative part of your day. But once you get back on the highway, forget the flat tire, move on, get positive again. Absolutely. And then you got to worry about the 500 bucks to pay for the tire. Yeah, but, exactly. You know, that's, exactly. Uh, you got to work and be positive about it and exactly. pay for it. Exactly. And thank God we live in a country where there's tires there's available. There's tires, yeah. exactly. <laughs> well, friends, I think what we're saying here is that these, these four men, and there are many women, many people, many examples of this over the years, but, uh, I don't think life plays any favorites. I don't think these guys had any magic or divine intervention or anything that made them who they were. I think every one of us is capable of achieving whatever we want to. And the first step is believing that we can do it. Well, I think that's going to do it for this time. Norb, always a pleasure. Thank you for allowing Same me here. to- Thank you for the book and, and the inspiration that it gave us. I hope that all of you enjoy it as much as we did telling you about it. Thank you very much for the opportunity. So for Norb Savannasini, this is Al Edwards. Until next time, every day is a gift. That's why they call it the present. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>